What's going on, Thrive Church family? We're so grateful you're tuning into this week's podcast. We pray this message will bless you in the same way it has blessed our house this past Sunday. Family, do me a favor, stand your feet with me because that's what we do. We honor in this house. And can you welcome Pastor Roger as he comes and brings the word this morning? Come on. Amen and amen. Oh, Chris, here's your phone, bro. There you go. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, how many of you guys love your pastor? Yeah. Chris, you are amazing. I, I treasure our friendship, and I praise God for you, and I thank God for you, and I thank God for First Lady Vanessa and for your family, and I just praise the Lord for all that he is doing within this church. Now, I heard that the 11 o'clock service you don't mess with because I heard that these people here love the Lord Jesus Christ, and I heard that those who show up at 11... There's something special because they're crazy in love with Jesus. And so uh, I'm believing that, uh, that I'm not even going to have to really preach that hard because y'all came ready to receive something from the Lord. And so we're just going to believe that. So let's pray and jump right in. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord God, because you are good. You are mighty. Lord God, I praise your name, Heavenly Father, because your word has already been prepared for us. So I pray that we will have minds to receive and a heart to respond to what it is that you are doing this morning. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Find about three people, give them a fist bump and say, welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. Praise God. Praise God. I'm excited this morning because let me tell you something. I've been here a couple of times and I'm always honored to be able to come, but, 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 but the reality is, is that uh, I don't always get to uh, be here with my wife and my kids, but they are here this morning. And so I praise God and I, I love you guys. And so I praise the Lord for you. Yeah, and I and 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 I remember, uh, babe, when we when we first got married, and and uh, and you know, and she said, well, what you know, what are we gonna do for dinner? And she's like, what do you want? We're talking about it. She says, well, how about I make spaghetti? And so I said, oh yes, you know, I love I love spaghetti. Now you have to understand, growing up to me, spaghetti was a certain way. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? Like you grew up and you're kind of used to a certain way a, a certain meal is prepared. You know, like a good home cooked meal because there's nothing like a home cooked meal. And so, and so I was just excited. I was excited for spaghetti and I just couldn't wait. And so I'd go to work and all day I was worrying about spaghetti. I was just thinking about spaghetti the whole time. I couldn't get my mind off it. I got, got home and, and, and did some stuff around the house and everything. And, 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 just, and you know, Becca's all in the kitchen. She's excited because here she, she's going to make me spaghetti for the first time. And, and I'm just so thrilled about it. And so she finally says, okay, baby, dinner's ready. And, and so she comes in and she hands me this plate of spaghetti. And I kind of just like, oh, Okay. I mean, this ain't grandma's spaghetti, but baby, where, 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 where's the meatballs, honey? Where the, there are no, you know, the, oh, the, 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 what about the, the freshly shredded Parmesan cheese? You got some of that? The shred, no? Oh, okay. Well, uh, uh, what about the breadsticks with the melted butter and the parsley spread? You, you didn't get, you didn't do, oh, oh, okay. Because there's something within us that just loves a good home cooked meal, right? Now she makes bomb spaghetti, y'all. I mean, it's like, it's one of the favorites in the house. All right? There's something about a great home-cooked meal, but in order to experience a home-cooked meal, you have to have a home. And so this morning, what I want to talk to you about is this, that everybody needs a home. In fact, say that with me. Everybody needs a home. That wasn't very good. Come on, 11 o'clock. Everybody needs a home. 
And so we're going to read from Isaiah 43 and Genesis 3. I hope that's okay that we read from two different passages of the Word of God since you're in church this morning. This will help anybody that missed the devotional this week. Isaiah chapter 43, it says this. Uh, and so he says, see, I am doing a new thing. This is God speaking through Isaiah. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Mm. Genesis chapter 3 verse 7 says this. He's talking to, about Adam and Eve. It says, then the eyes of both of them, Adam and Eve, were opened. And now they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God who was walking in the garden of the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called on the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I command you not to eat from? The man said, the woman, yeah, yeah. But you see the woman, there's kind of a, what had happened was the woman that you put here with me, she, she, she sort of gave me some, some of this fruit from the tree. And I kind of, maybe I did it just a little bit, I took a little nibble, a little, a little bite. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is it that you have done? And, and the woman said, me, well, you know, it was <laughs> the serpent, Lord. It was, uh, you know, the serpent, he deceived me. I just, you know, just, so I, I might've also maybe just a little, maybe just kind of, you know, and so verse 14 says, so the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, Cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and bring your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will put, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. And the painful labor you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the fruit of the tree about which I commanded you must not eat from cursed will be the ground because of you through painful toil you will eat fruit from it and all the days of your life will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat plants of the field and by the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground since from it you were taken for dust you are and to dust you now will return Abraham named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife clothed them and the, uh, for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat it and live for that forever. He says, I don't want him to be cursed forever. I got a plan of redemption. So we got to do something about it. Here's the plan. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden, a cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Y'all survived that. Praise God. Studies have shown more recently that one of the most brutal experiences that somebody can go through physically, emotionally, psychologically is homelessness. Homelessness. Because, because home, home is, is where you're supposed to fit. You see, home is, is a space where you're supposed to feel like you belong. Home, home is a refuge. Home is where you get your needs met. You see, home is supposed to be a place of restoration. You go out there and, 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 and all of a sudden, you know, you go and you spend your energy and you spend your time and, and all that stuff. And then you come home to be sort of restored, you see. 
And what this passage is letting us know is it's painting a portrait of, of, the, of the state of the entire human race. And it's, and it's letting us know that all humanity is homeless. All humanity is homeless. Verse 23, so the Lord God banished him. He's homeless. Banished him. Who? Adam. Adam represents who? In proxy, he stands for all humanity. Out of the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. So see, Adam uh, by proxy represents the entire human race. And he was taken and he was banished from the ground. Banished from the ground that he was made for and, and made from. Verse 24, and so after that, he drove the man out and placed to the east side of the garden a cherubim and a, and a flaming sword going back and forth to guard the way of the truth of life. In other words, humanity, human race is now cut off from home in which we belong. The human condition is homelessness. Humanity's condition at large is exile. You see, Exile. The Bible tells us that the world as it exists right now, the world as it exists right now, that we sense that there's something about it that, that isn't quite right, that we, we sense that somehow we weren't really made for the world the way it is right now. This is why we mourn when people pass away because, because we know that something doesn't necessarily feel right. We, we, we know we say it's natural, but yet we mourn about it because it doesn't feel like it's supposed to be natural. There's something within us, this desire to live in, in all eternity, and so it just doesn't quite feel right, you see. And so there's a deeper sense of homelessness, one that we were sort of evicted from in this, and we were kind of evicted from this identity, this realization of our authentic self. And somewhere out there is this ideal sense of belonging that tends to elude us. And so there's been some, some culture, uh, some people within the culture that have been considered great thinkers that have, that, that have identified this condition and, and try to figure out what is, what is its source? What is the source of this sort of alienation that we feel? And so Karl Marx says that this alienation is mostly economical and social. And Freud says that this alienation is mainly psychological, you see. And, 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 and Hedgedegger, sorry, said that the source of our alienation is, is mostly existential or, or from physical physicality from nature itself and you know what the bible says to all of that yes yes and yet none of them cut deep enough yes but none of them cut deep enough you see alienated sociologically alienated psycho psychologically alienated existentially or physically or from nature nature and the bible says yes 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 but 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 there's something deeper that they're missing because the real source of our homelessness, the real source of, of our exile, the real source of feeling like we, we need to find a place to belong is actually the alienation of our spirit. Spiritual alienation. But as you look through the text of Genesis, you actually see all of this coming together, don't you? 
See, physical alienation, you see that because the curse, the curse comes upon the ground and, and now man has to toil the ground and, and now childbearing becomes painful. And, and so there's this, there's this physical alienation that happens, letting us know that everybody needs a home. Would you say that with me? Everyone needs a home. Say it again. Everyone needs a home. And then it also shows this social alienation because it says there that, that, that they went and they saw that they were naked and so they began to sow fig leaves together. Figs leaves together. And they began to hide and cover up from each other. They had to, they, they had to hide from each other. We can, we can no longer show and reveal our, ourselves. We have to, we have to hide and, and cover up from each other. And so these fig leaves are a way for us to control what people see about us. It's a way of us to control what people know about us. And so we're constantly having fig leaves because we're trying to control. We, we, we don't know that we can let everybody in. We don't know that we can really show our true selves. Even, even the people we're married to, even the people that we feel closest to, there's something that feels like we have to hide a certain part of ourselves because we, we have that control and says, well, you know, we just have to see. And so, and, so, and so what happens is all of a sudden relationships are now marked by power instead of by service. And we want people to love us. We want to be accepted. And we feel like the only way to do that is to try to manipulate and to cover in order to be accepted. Because if we, if we really reveal ourselves, then we're fearful of what rejection might do. You see? And so the Bible says what we know intuitively, that human relationships are always breaking down. And that's why sometimes it's a struggle. It feels like work, even just to keep the marriage together or to keep the, the, the home from blowing up. Or, or there's brokenness. It's breaking down. Brokenness between races and injustice and poverty and, and war. And now that, now that we're having a voting season coming up, there'll be even more brokenness between people from, from, from different aspects of the political field and, and, and people that, that, that were in loving union once with each other under Christ Jesus that could worship together. Now because they vote differently, all of a sudden, a person that's a friend becomes an enemy. Y'all don't want to hear that. But the reality is everybody needs a home. Physical alienation, social alienation, but also so psychological alienation. You see, Adam said, I, I was naked and afraid, so I hid. Naked and afraid, so I hid. Naked and afraid, so I hid. That, that idea of nakedness there is shame. There was shame and fear. Shame and fear. Those are psychological uh, 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 concepts, you see. And so God comes down to walk with him. And the Hebrew idiom there for, for nakedness means more than just nudity. It doesn't just mean nudity, it means shame. And so, and so when, when, when God says, well, who told you you were naked? Well, he's not saying who told you you were nude. They were already nude and there was nothing wrong with it. He's not saying who told you you were nude. He said, who's told you that you have shame? You see the difference? Who told you you had shame? What happened? Did you eat of the fruit? Now, of course, God knew he did. But can, let's see if he can be honest now in God's presence. You see? And this is the problem. This is the problem. And so it's a shame. This, it's, not, it's not liking yourself. And every psychological system that I know says that, that, that there's this psychological alienation between your identity and yourself. And you're trying to figure that out, you see. And this is why some of you work so hard. And this is why some of you are devastated by criticism. Why? Because you're trying to prove yourself. We're always trying to prove ourselves. We're always trying to build a case to show that, that we are the right candidate. Well, oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. Let me show you why I'm the right candidate to date. Let me show you why I make a good candidate to date me. And so we show all the good stuff and hide all the bad stuff. You see what I'm saying? Or sometimes we work really hard 
uh, to, to prove that we can be a good father or a good mother. And so, so when, when all of a sudden the, 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 you know, the child acts up and you get really, really mad, it's not necessarily about the child sometimes. Sometimes it's about the fact that you're trying to prove who you are. And so you're building this case or maybe you want to build a case with your boss and, 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 or with your friends or with your coworkers or with your pastors or, or with your group leaders. And so you go to group and you kind of share, but you don't really share. You know what I'm saying? You, it's okay to talk about your testimony. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. The Lord used to deliver me from drinking. And that was back in, you know, whatever, 19. Da, 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 and I just prayed love for that. You know, but you ain't about to tell them how you just watched porn that morning. You see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, so, yeah, the, you know, I remember our marriage. We used to have a really hard marriage. We'd be yelling. You know, I remember that, but praise the Lord. You know, things are, the, God is good now and all this. Stuff, but you won't talk about how y'all about to divorce. Wow. You see what I'm saying? Why? Because you have to build a case. You have to build a case. And so what happens is the accuser comes and he shows up at your court. He shows up in the court of your mind and he begins to accuse you and he begins to show evidence. No, no, no. See this? See this? They're not worthy. No, no, no. See this? Sinner? Sinner? You're not worthy. Look at this. Look at this. Look what they did and show all the evidence laid before you and you're trying to put together all the pieces to counteract that and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit shows up on the scene and you have to understand one of the things the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit comes in and says, now wait a minute, Satan. <laughs> and when Satan says, sinner, God points at you and says, no, forgiven. When, 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 Satan point, when Satan looks at you and says, oh, you're not worthy, God, God comes in and says, no, 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 valuable. You see what I'm saying? When, 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 when Satan comes in and, and says, stuck, God comes in and says, no, 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 free. And so we have all this alienation that happens, you see. And even, and, 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 and even this idea of God, here he is, and he's coming to, to, to walk with them. To walk doesn't, doesn't literally mean walk, right? It's talking about this deep relationship they have, right? If I were to say to you, hey, I need somebody to, to walk with me through this. I don't mean literally. I don't mean get on your, you know, walking shoes and let's go walking. Y'all know I'm about to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Never in a day I woke up and said, let's go walking. You know what I mean? The devil is a liar, praise Jesus. No, it's talking about relationship. And God's coming down to have this relationship with his people, you see. He's coming down to have relationship with humanity. You see what I'm saying? And it's this idea that they are, that, 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 that this idea of wanting a sense of belonging. We want a friend. We want somebody to walk with, somebody that understands us, somebody that gets us, somebody that can guide us, you see. But here's the thing. The human condition is human beings running from the God that wants to walk with us. The human condition are human beings running from the God that wants to walk with us. And what this means is that his presence sometimes doesn't feel like home. His presence, even though it should, doesn't always feel like home. Even though in his presence we are fully known and we are truly loved. Even though in his presence we're fully known and we're truly loved. And we're always looking for that, for, for those two things, to be fully known and truly loved. And with most humans, with most people, we get one without the other. You see what I'm saying? And so with most people, maybe, maybe somebody fully knows you. And because they fully know you, maybe they don't truly love you. You know what I mean? There's some conditions. It's a conditional love. It's not, it's not completely self-sacrificial. They have to get something out of it too. You see what I'm saying? Or, or maybe they truly love you, but it's because they don't fully know you. 
and you're afraid because you have a desire to be to be fully known and truly loved and you're trying to figure out where is that and that is at home in the presence of Jesus so how does that work how, how, how did it make about how is it possible that that, that 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 God's presence can become a home to me who's homeless who's who's looking for a belonging and here's how the answer is what the answer always is Jesus Jesus see Jesus went into exile foxes have holes birds have nests but the son of man has no place to lay his head in other words Jesus became homeless so you could have a home he became a wanderer so you could have a home he was stripped naked so that way you could be clothed you understand that he did this thing he, he went to the cross and he died on the cross so that way you could have a home my goodness because watch this watch this notice it says that on the outside of the garden he put a cherubim and he put a flaming sword and so anytime Adam and Eve were to look back into the garden and say well I want to get back home they knew that they couldn't because if they did they'd have to figure out how to go under the sword and the only way to go under the sword was through death and they said well we can't do it we don't know how they couldn't get in but there is somebody that was able to there's somebody that was worthy there's somebody that lived a pure life there is Jesus Christ the Canaan king who on the cross of Calvary on the hill of Golgotha and that day the, the sword swung down and pierced him and killed him and he made a way so that way you could come in is anybody grateful for that this morning is anybody grateful for the blood of Jesus is there anybody here this morning that can stand as a witness and say yes I'm grateful for the salvation I'm grateful for his mercy I'm grateful for his grace no I don't deserve it no I don't earn it yes I messed up but my faithfulness is not predicated on his faithfulness even when I'm not faithful he is still faithful is there anybody here today that can testify to the goodness of God he told him of Isaiah is there anybody here today that can testify to the fact that God has set you free not because you had to do anything for it but because of his mercy and because of his love you see Seven minutes, okay, seven minutes, okay. Seven minutes, I got number seven. So watch this. So, so you say that sounds, you say that sounds great. That sounds wonderful. But there's a problem, Pastor Roger. There's just a little issue. Pastor, when I look around this world, I still see evil and suffering and pain. When I look at this world, it doesn't feel like home. See, there's this thing that theologians call now, but not yet. Now and not yet. It's a tension that the Bible shows. It's a, it's a narrative that you can see throughout the Bible of now and not yet. The fact is, is that the kingdom of God is now, but not yet. It's here but not in its fullness, which means, yes, this isn't heaven. Yes, this isn't fully home. And yet, you can visit home. Wow. Isn't it great to go back and visit home? A place where you can come in and just be yourself. A place where you feel relaxed, you can just walk in and open the fridge and grab a Coke. You know what I'm talking about? Kick your shoes off and just sit on the couch and, 
And a place where you just feel welcome, a place where you look and maybe there's pictures of you growing up on the walls or whatever. It's your home, it's your space. That's what home's supposed to feel like, a place where you feel safe. And some of you have had that stolen from you. Some of you don't know that memory. But you can know that there's a place and a space in Jesus Christ that's home. And you can visit that home. You say, well, how do I visit that home? Every time you pray, you visit that home. You see that? Every time you open up your word, you visit that home. Every time you gather and you have communion with one another and, and you break bread and, and you drink the cup, you're visiting home. Every time you go to home groups, you're visiting home. Every time you gather collective and do corporate worship, you're visiting home. Every time you come to church, you're visiting home. There is a space here because everybody needs a home. Everybody's longing for a place to fit in, to feel like they're seen and loved. Everybody needs a home. And this is why when God speaks to his people through the prophet Isaiah, his people were in Babylon, exiled, exiled, and exiled homeless people. And this is what he says, verse 16, he says, this is what the Lord says. We can have the worship team come up. This is what the Lord says. He says, he who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and the horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again extinguished, snuffed out like a wick, forgetting the former things, do not dwell on the past. What? He just said this great testimony. He said, oh, remember when the Red Sea, when, when God performed that miracle and he split you know, the waters and you guys came through and then, and then Pharaoh and the chariots came and, and, and God drowned them, remember that? And he says, well, don't dwell on that. He says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do, not, do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Notice this. He, he's talking about a new thing, but he brings up an old thing. He's talking about a new thing, but he brings up an old thing. Why is that? Because sometimes there's barriers that keep us from really entering in to where God is. Sometimes what God did yesterday, and you become stuck in that memory, right? And there's nothing wrong with the memory, but you become stuck in that to where now you're not wanting to enter into what God's doing today. This is what the book of Hebrews does. The book of Hebrews is trying to say, hey, listen, how you saw God was by the law. And so now when God shows up like grace, you're like, I don't know what to do with that. Because you got stuck with how God looked. You got stuck with the method instead of the message. You see what I'm saying? And God says, I want to do a new thing. And I believe, and I believe when, when, when the Lord placed the name Home Church on Pastor and First Lady's heart, that it was indicative of what God wants to do in your heart. You see what I'm saying? And so there's these barriers. And so, and so cause, cause watch this, watch this, cause watch this. He says, listen, he says, I'm going to do it in the wilderness. I'm going to do it in the wilderness. He says, I'm not going to do it by water. I'm going to do it in the wilderness. Now here's, what's crazy in the wilderness. What's one thing that you kind of might make me water, water. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. When God moved, the water was the problem. The water was the barrier. You see what I'm saying? But in this season, the water becomes the blessing. See, sometimes in, the in one season, what's a barrier is actually a blessing in the next. Look at King David. So here's David as a little boy and he goes to face Goliath and he tries on the king's armor and it doesn't fit. It's a barrier. So he takes it off and he grabs some stones and he goes and he kills Goliath, right? But, but don't think for one minute that that's how David fought all of his battles. See, you forget that he grew up. He became a man. He became a king. And when he went to go face those armies, he didn't grab another stone. No, what did he do? He put on the king's armor. The thing that was once a barrier in one season becomes a blessing in another. 
with God, with God, with God will always turn. God will always turn ashes to beauty, barriers to blessing. Always do it. Why? Because everybody needs a home. Everybody needs a home. Everybody needs a home. Everybody needs a home. It doesn't matter your race. Everybody needs a home. It doesn't matter how much you make. Everybody needs a home. It doesn't matter what stuff you got. Everybody needs a home. Everybody needs a home. The neighbor needs a home. The coworker needs a home. The boss needs a home. Everybody. Everybody needs a home. Everybody you know needs a home. Every sinner needs a home. Every person needs a home. And you need a home as well. And the question is, what is the barrier that's standing in the way? Because at one point in your life, you could come into God's presence and it felt like home. It felt good. You wanted it. You longed for it. But something happened. Something has shifted inside of your heart to where now, instead of running into God's presence, now there's something about it. Something that you don't fully come, you're you're, you're not fully exposing yourself in God's presence. There's something about it where you kind of tune it out and you turn it off. And and you you see what I'm saying? And and there's something here that God wants you to see and God wants you to understand and you need to identify. Maybe it's some sort of past hurt. Maybe it's some sort of regret. Maybe it's shame. Maybe it's silent frustration. Maybe it's disappointment. But there's some sort of barrier. But you need to know that there's a place and a space right here that's a home for you. Where God fully knows you and truly loves you. Everybody needs a home. Would you stand to your feet? This morning, as the worship team gets ready to lead, What I need you to know is that there's a place and space here in God's presence where you can find rest. Now, I I, I don't mean surface level rest. I I don't mean this level rest, I mean this level rest. See, this level rest means I need a nap. This level rest means I just need a couple hours of sleep. This level rest may be a vacation. This level rest is maybe I need to just escape and tune out a little bit. The problem is, is even when you do those things, now you need a vacation from the vacation. When you do those things, you still feel tired. You go to bed tired, you wake up tired. You could have, you could have slept for two hours. You could have slept for 20 hours and you still wake up tired because, because it's not here that you need rest. It's under here that you need rest. There's a rest under the rest. And here's why, because you need rest from the work under the work. It's not just that you need rest from work. All the things that you're doing, taking kids here and having to do there and go to school here and, and try out for the sports team there and, and, and you're trying to you know get a job here and try to get a raise there and you're trying to serve here and you're trying to make the coffee for the church here and watch the kids over there and you're trying to get it all together here and you have to go, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. But see, the problem is, is you need rest under that. Because under all of that, what you're really working to do is to try to prove yourself. And God says, let me give you rest from that. Let me give you rest from that. Rest from your anxiety. Rest from your worry. Rest from your stress. Rest from your doubts. Rest from your insecurities. There's a home and a space. And there's something that's hindering you from fully tapping in and just walking into God's presence and feeling like this is where you belong. And I came to tell you this morning, the Holy Spirit wants to remove that barrier and show you that what the enemy meant for evil, he's working on your behalf to make sure that he gets the glory. And if that's you this morning, if you say, yes, that's me, 
and I, I, I need, I need, I need God's presence. It's not just that I want it, I need it, I need it. We just lift your hand up real quick and just, I need it. I need God's presence, I need God's presence. Would you just respond as they begin to worship? Will you just find a place and a space and, and, and come do that? And, and, and Pastor Chris is going to come up and he's going to begin to just shepherd this moment for you. But, but with your hands lifted up as we get ready to just worship the King, can, can, can you not just make sure that your hands are in a worship posture? Can you make sure your heart is in a worship posture this morning? Can you index your attention to the King of Kings that's saying, welcome home? Welcome. Once again, thank you so much for joining in and listening to the message brought to our house this past Sunday. We love you, and we pray you have a blessed day and blessed week.